If you are around young people that have these bold ideas that make you a little nervous, make you fearful for your own position, what I have done is really embrace those relationships, bring them in closer, think about how I can be part of their journey, but also how they can be part of mine. I will tell you that I'm a better leader. I have led Girl Up in a better way. I still get the recognition for it and I'm still in this role, but the girls of Girl Up have made all of this better. And the best thing that I did was listen to them. And it never hurt me. It has only helped me. This generation is just coming in. You know, they want to learn. They want mentors. They want experience. Position yourself as that. And you're going to have a runway with them, you know, well up into the day that you're ready to step aside. So I think the fear is a little bit unfounded, but I totally understand it. <laughs> I'm your host, Michelle King, joined by Kelly Thompson, and you're listening to The Fix, a podcast that shares the stories of remarkable people who are innovating and taking action to advance equality in the workplace and beyond. Before we start, just a quick announcement to let you all know that my firm, RPC, in partnership with Equality Forward and with support from Spotify, Coca-Cola Euro-Pacific Partners, Design It, The Economist Group and the Wealthy Her Women's Network, will be hosting Reimagine on the 24th of September. Reimagine is a one-day virtual global summit showcasing new and ambitious business strategies for tackling the world's biggest challenges. Reimagine will highlight the central role of businesses in achieving the UN Sustainable Development Goals and showcase the latest innovations, ideas and approaches for sustainable development now and in the future. Reimagine includes six themed hours covering equality, sustainability, inclusive innovation, financial empowerment, well-being and community, and developing the next generation of leaders. The event features world-renowned innovation and design experts, business leaders, entrepreneurs, economists, inclusion specialists, financial and technology experts, social change activists, and next generation leaders, as they share tools, knowledge, and corporate actions to accelerate progress towards a more sustainable world. Reimagine is being held in support of the UN Foundation's Girl Up campaign, which we'll be talking about on today's episode. If you'd like to attend this virtual event, please register today at www.reimagineglobalsummit.com. Okay, now let's get on with today's episode. When I started out in my career, there were so many articles, news reports, events, training, and research all sharing how to engage and manage millennial workers. Over the years, I've seen the same focus shift to Generation Z. Companies want to and need to engage the next generation, many of whom want businesses to change their approach to sustainability, equity, corporate social responsibility for the better. The challenge is there isn't a quick fix to tackling the problem. All too often, companies claim to have engaged young people about a product or service, Yet these very same young people are somehow absent from decision-making processes. Companies often have a preconceived notion of what it means to sell to young people that ends up being condescending and patronizing. Hashtags and Snapchat alone won't be enough to engage the next generation. What companies need are leaders who know how to listen, engage, and value the age diversity of their entire organization. 
Joining us on today's episode is Melissa Kilby, Executive Director of Girl Up, the global leadership development organization transforming a generation of girls to be a force for gender equality and social change. Since 2010, Girl Up has developed 75,000 girl leaders in 120 countries and in all US states. And Girl Up has raised more than $27 million for girls' leadership programs and impact partners at the United Nations. As a next-gen leadership expert, Melissa will unpack the common mistakes that companies make when trying to engage the next generation of change makers. And importantly, she'll share what each of us can do to bridge the age gap at work. Here, Melissa shares more on her work with Girl Up. Girl Up is a global leadership development initiative. We are hosted at the United Nations Foundation and we're coming up on our 11th year. So just a little over a decade of bringing young people, primarily teen girls and young women together to create social change. And really what is unique about Girl Up is that this younger generation, this next gen, this activist generation, they're looking for organizations and outlets to make the world better. And at Girl Up, that issue is really around gender equality. So as young girls, teen girls, young women are sort of coming into their voice, realizing that they care, that they have a passion, they're looking for a community, a movement, a platform where they can come together with like-minded other young people and create change. And what's so unique about our model and our approach is that they are becoming leaders by doing the very activism that brought them to Girl Up. So we see ourselves as a leadership development platform. They see us as a social impact platform. And the two come together in real leadership and action. These young women and teen girls are leading their peers. They're leading their communities. They're learning how to lead by leading. But their motivation isn't intrinsic. It's not about, oh, I want to be a leader, capital L, like give me that title. They come together because they see inequities. They see injustices. They see a world that doesn't live up to their expectations and they want to do something to change it. And so that's really where all of this comes together with Girl Up. Most of that happens in our Girl Up clubs, which is where we see that leadership in action. You have a one person who says, I've learned about this organization. I want to start a club either in my school or my community, maybe my state, maybe my country, kind of depending on where they are in the world. And they have to get a few people to follow them. They have to convince other young people, their peers and their friends, that they should embark on this journey with them. So that influence, that storytelling, that advocacy to to get a follower, right? To get somebody to agree and and go down this journey with you. You have to convince an adult that this is a good idea, which is great (laughs) practice. And then set a goal. You know, what are we going to do as a club? What aspect of gender equality is most important to us? Is it menstrual poverty? Is it girls' education? Is it freedom from violence? Is it representation in government or in business? Is it just women's leadership? You know, and so every club, every corner of the world takes a little bit of a different kind of slice at the gender equality pie and they get to decide. There is not an adult facilitator. So when you're in your teen years, when you're in high school or secondary school, this might be the first time that there isn't an adult telling you A, B, C, do this in one, two, three order, here's the prescription. They get to decide, they get to lead themselves, but they also have to figure it out. And so they go through the ups and downs and the pitfalls and jump off the deep end and they're not sure what they're doing. 
but then they learn those real leadership skills. So Girl Up as an organization, we provide them with a ton of resources, an online community where they can connect with other young people. We provide them with different curriculums that they can follow to build their skills. We do monthly challenges where they can come together with their global community and align around a specific issue. We're talking about climate this month, which is awesome, but they really are leading their own activism. And we say that Girl Up is girl-led. From the very beginning, it was by girls for girls. We've had a teen advisory board since day one who really are my bosses, who are saying, this is the way the organization needs to move forward. Here's what we care about. Here's what we expect from you. Here's what we want to see this movement do in the areas and issues that we care about and the ones that impact us as young people and particularly young women the most. And so we do tons of events. We do trainings. We support our club network. We have clubs in over 130 countries now. And in the last 11 years, I think we're close to 100,000 girls that have been part of Girl Up. And this leadership program, we partner with the UN, UNICEF, UNFPA, UN Women, UNHCR. We help to, you know, fundraise resources, but also just bring awareness to the work that they're doing to try to impact the lives of adolescent girls. Really, at the end of the day, We want gender equality for every girl everywhere, and we know that the leaders of Girl Up are well positioned to fight for that for themselves, but also for their sisters. Ten years ago, PwC were predicting that by 2020, millennials would make up 50% of the workforce. But as quickly as workplaces are filled up with millennials, another even larger generation is arriving, Generation Z which includes people born after 1996. This generation is likely to disrupt the status quo in many workplaces. They're more demographically diverse and consequently they want to work for organisations that have demonstrated a commitment to being equitable and inclusive. They're also more technologically advanced. According to a 2021 research report by Axis, Gen Z and millennials communicate with others more digitally than in person. That's even more so in English-speaking countries, with the US and the UK particularly relying more heavily on digital channels for communication. Gen Z also view corporations with a healthy dose of scepticism. They want to work for businesses who are clear about what they value and ensure the company behaves in a way that's aligned with this, especially when it comes to corporate social responsibility. According to Deloitte research, 77% think that it's important to be working at an organisation whose values align with their own. So to win the hearts of Gen Z, companies and employers will need to highlight their efforts to be good global citizens. Here, Melissa shares the common assumptions that companies make about Generation Z. I think that companies and organisations, I think they make two assumptions that You know, there's probably a little bit of truth to both, but in my experience, both assumptions underestimate the power of this generation. I think one is, I think adults generally underestimate the experience and knowledge that young people have, because most of us adults think you have to have lived so many years or gotten so many degrees or so many progressions up, you know, the leadership rungs in a company to have something valuable to contribute. And I think the way the world is today, the global crisis after global crisis that we are all experiencing together The fact that this generation has so much information at their fingertips, literally their phone fingertips, 
they're so much more knowledgeable and informed than I certainly was, you know, maybe one and a half generations behind them. But certainly, even as you get older, you know, we just didn't have the same access to information. So I think it is a mistake to underestimate the knowledge. I also think they're living in the same world as us, right? They're not protected from the news. They're not protected from the experience. Young people experience all of these crises directly, whether they're the children or the community members and their experience is valid. So that's one mistake I think that companies and organizations and adults get wrong. I think the other assumption that I still see people make is that young people just care about likes and followers and are on social for more external visibility image reasons. And that is just not true. I think that the young generation that I'm surrounded by and that I watch and that I see and that I try to learn from care deeply. They are doing their activism in a way that is different because they have different tools, but they are thinking about the people that aren't even born yet in a different way than I think when we were all teenagers, right? You know, we know that young people are always sort of the activists of of any time. You look at the U.S. civil rights movement, you look at different global social justice movements, and there's always young people at the heart, right? So we can easily brush off like, oh, it's just another young generation. But this generation is different because they've inherited so many major challenges. Think of just climate change for one, right? They inherited this. They were born into a world that was warming. They were already born into a world starting to see the repercussions of these actions. And they understand the weight of that. And they want it to look different for the next generation that will be born into this situation. And they're already thinking about that. You know, I think about my children who are five and two. I haven't yet thought about their children, but the teenagers and the young people today are thinking about that. There's just this different level of responsibility. And I think part of that comes because we as corporate world, we as multilateral organizations, we as adults are so inspired by them. And we want to say, oh, the young people are going to fix it. They're going to save us all. And they're like, hey, I'm 16. It's not my job to save us all. I care. I hope I don't care more than you, but like, I'm not there yet. And I'm worried about the people coming up behind me. This is still on you. So I'm surprised to this day that people still brush off young people as being superficial and that the social is only negative and that it's just, you know, so sort of focused on them because I see the opposite of that. I think they're just doing it in a way that not everybody understands, like what's at the heart of it. In 2019, the first graduating class of Gen Z entered the workforce. Over the next 10 years, boomers will retire, millennials will enter senior management roles, Gen Z will make up one third of the workforce. Here, Melissa shares how companies can engage the next generation. The best way that I have seen and that I have experienced myself, and I think that we try to do with Girl Up, but that I've also seen when it when it goes well and when I get good feedback from young people, you know, everybody is inspired by this generation. They want to hear from them. They want their ideas. And I think sometimes it can be a checkbox. It can be a performative action. I think that 
when you go into a conversation with a young person and you are actually listening to what they have to say, you are validating their experience, you are trusting their knowledge, and you are going in and saying, you are going to tell me something valuable that I don't already know. If you start the conversation from there, you're going to take that information in differently. You're going to consider it differently. It's the frame of mind of what that value is that that young person is bringing to you. And I think that's the first place where I would start. Make sure you're going into the conversation with that perspective and then really listen. You know, I think I've heard over and over and over from our young people that they feel like they're just talking and people are just kind of like glazed over, multitasking, thinking about something else because they're not valued for the reasons, you know, that we we mentioned before, right? They haven't been alive as long. They don't have the same education or professional experience and they can tell when they're not listening to you, right? We all can. And so listening is the first thing. I think the other piece that I really try to do, and this has been part of my even growth leading girl up is to say, what of this can I do? So instead of being like, yeah, that's not possible. No way we could do that oh gosh, I'm going to get in hot water if I take that approach. Like instead of having those reactions, because a lot of times it's radical. A lot of times it's bolder than you maybe want to be, or you have to like dig deep and get brave to do what these young people are asking you to do. And your response as a company, as a larger organization, or even as an individual leader might be like, oh, I don't know if I can do that. Even if you've gotten to the point where you think that their suggestion is valid, there's a hesitation there. And so I have really tried to think to myself, what of this can I do? So I'm not starting from no, I'm actually starting from yes and kind of working to a realistic place that feels like manageable. And I think if that becomes the conversation, you are building trust that you're listening, that you're considering, and then hopefully you can actually take some of this forward and they can see a real tangible step that you have listened, respected, and actually taken their idea into consideration and maybe even put a piece of it into practice. I always say like the scarier, probably the better idea, right? Especially from young people. And if they can see you even step towards what feels scary and radical and bold, you will build that respect and trust and they will continue to bring you their ideas and it won't feel performative. It won't feel like, oh, I probably should have a young person. So I'm just going to have this person join this conversation. It's like, no, no, I think she just did what I suggested kind of. And that's great. Like, let's see if there's a place to move forward from there. And again, that that applies to so many groups of people and perspective. And when you're trying to diversify your experience, just that honest listening, but I think young people are attuned because you know how it is when you're young, you're used to being blown off. So if you actually don't get blown off, you're going to like ratchet up your trust with them. And the thing that I love about this generation is they are loyal. Once you have gained their trust, once you have proven that you value them, they will be with you. Even when you make mistakes, which is hard because, you know, cancel culture and you can't mess up and, you know, nothing bad can happen. I haven't actually found that to be true if you have the trust. If you are showing the mutual respect, you have that real relationship. In a recent Fast Company Harris poll, 36% of younger millennials and Gen Z said they'd faced workplace ageism, often due to a perceived lack of experience. 44% of this group agree that people their age are viewed as inexperienced, 
versus only 28% of older millennials and Gen Xers up to age 56. Ageist beliefs stifle inclusion efforts, creativity and collaboration, all of which negatively impact a company's culture and potentially their bottom line. Here Melissa shares more on the cost to business of excluding Generation Z. When we talk to this generation and we ask them, how do you decide where you spend your money, right? If it's a consumer brand or if it's a media platform or they think about where they might want to work, right? They always look at the CSR, at the philanthropy, at sort of the community engagement commitments. They look for the values. And I think that the companies who have the most loyal Gen Z next gen following are the ones whose values are the most authentic and most ingrained into their actual business practices. Your sort of philanthropy and corporate social responsibility and social impact strategy isn't like way over on one side. And then your business practices are way over on the other side. They're going to dig deeper. They're going to look, they care. We have done partnerships over the years with Girl Up and maybe it was a fast fashion company. And our girls were like, what are you doing? Like, we care about the climate, like what's happening. So then we can go back and be like, here's actually how this company is trying to improve that. Here's how they're trying to do better. We as Girl Up believe in progress. And so we are partnering with people who maybe aren't perfect, but are working towards better solutions. And they're usually like, okay, great. I didn't know that. That's helpful. And they want to know that that's part of the the honest conversation. So I think when those values actually match practices, and even if it hasn't been perfect in the past, if you own the imperfections and show how you're trying to do it different, how you're trying to make progress forward, that really goes a long way. You can't say one thing and do another thing. And I think that I know companies hear that, but this generation will dig deeper. They will look, they will find out the real story and they may go somewhere else if they don't think that that matches. And I know when we talk about where people want to work, that is huge, even more so than where they spend their dollars, because sometimes the fast fashion is just like more economically you know, realistic, but where they decide to go work, that's a huge piece of it. So I would just say the companies that I see that either own their shortcomings and show that they're trying to do better or just have figured out how to actually make their stated values match their practices, get the best loyalty, the best input, the best trust from this generation. And it's real. I mean, I hear it. It's probably one of the most consistent things I hear over and over. I do not believe it is a talking point. I believe it is a real consumer decision process that they are going through. It can be difficult for older generations to know how to adapt and include younger generations. While older generations may believe that millennials or Generation Z are inexperienced, younger generations may also hold the belief that older workers are somehow out of touch. For example, a Fast Company research report found that among employed adults of all ages, 37% reported feeling that people their age were viewed as out of touch at work. That number grows to 39% for workers over the age of 41, who include Gen Xs or baby boomers. Here, Melissa shares more on the challenges that older workers face embracing younger generations. There's so many times that I personally think about that as leading girl up of like, okay, which one of these girls is taking my job? You know what I mean? Like anybody who is in a position of power 
or authority or has that sort of influence, especially in companies or in organizations. And you've worked really hard to get to a leadership role, right? Most of us have worked very hard to get into a position where we are in charge of something. And because you've worked that hard, you don't want to just lose it the minute that you acknowledge that somebody else might have a different way or a better way of of approaching it. What I find is that this generation isn't actually trying to take our jobs right now. They will eventually, but they also want to learn from us. There is a mutual respect and they want mentors. They want to know how the systems work. They want to know how hierarchy works. They want to know how to progress through the levels that get them into these positions of power. And they're seeking out people to learn from and then opportunities to to sort of grow themselves. So I don't ever get the feeling of like, I'm about to be unseated. You know, I get the feeling of like, Melissa, I have this idea. How can I make that a reality? How can I take it forward? And so my advice to leaders who feel a little bit nervous about the energy potentially coming at them or about the potential of the young person who's suggesting that idea is if you embrace it and become their most valuable mentor, partner, person they look up to, then you actually get to be a part of it. Right. And so I have this incredible privilege of, you know, getting to have these conversations with like hundreds of young people at a time. And I will tell you, it's only made me a better leader and it's never made me concerned about like being in this role tomorrow. Whenever you're making decisions about fear of losing your power, you're making a bad decision or you're making a decision in a bad way. And my experience is that young people with great ideas should be your best friends. You should partner with them to make you better, but you can help make them better. And then together you can move the work forward. There's time and they want the time. If you are around young people that have these bold ideas that make you a little nervous, make you fearful for your own position, what I have done is really embrace those relationships, bring them in closer think about how I can be part of their journey, but also how they can be part of mine. I will tell you that I'm a better leader. I have led Girl Up in a better way. I still get the recognition for it and I'm still in this role, but the girls of Girl Up have made all of this better. And the best thing that I did was listen to them. And it never hurt me. It has only helped me. This generation is just coming in. You know, they want to learn. They want mentors. They want experience. Position yourself as that. And you're going to have a runway with them, you know, well up into the day that you're ready to step aside. So I think the fear is a little bit unfounded, but I totally understand it. (laughs) Finally, Melissa shares one action that each of us can take to engage the next generation of change makers. My number one fix for better engaging our next generation, our youth leaders, is to value their knowledge, experience, and contribution at the level that it is actually um, able to contribute. Do not undervalue or underestimate what they bring to the conversation. I really hope you all enjoyed today's podcast episode and found Melissa's advice for bridging generational differences helpful. An article by Bamboo HR outlines 10 important actions we can take to engage the next generation of leaders. 
Here are some of my favourites. Think about how you collaborate and communicate. Generation Z values social interaction, so much so that 51% prefer speaking to friends, family and co-workers face-to-face rather than by text. An organisation's culture will need to factor this in to create an environment where Gen Z employees will thrive. That includes making sure you're giving weekly feedback, reviewing your communication channels and ensuring plenty of opportunities to socialise both online and in person. When it comes to retention, Gen Z craves stability and is more likely to stay with a company that promotes from within and offers opportunities to take on responsibility and upskill. Growing up in the aftermath of the 2008 recession, this generation has a clear memory of their parents losing their jobs and siblings struggling to pay back massive student loans. As a result, Gen Z values financial security as a priority and 70% agree that health insurance is a must-have. And while perks like free food are nice, it won't keep them around. Make sure to offer Gen Z a competitive salary, health insurance, personal loan options and other perks that are tailored to their needs. When it comes to technology, this is the first generation that doesn't remember a time before Wi-Fi and social media. Gen Z expects technology to fit and work seamlessly in their personal and professional lives. Many will be looking for workplaces where modern technology is integrated and will help them stay productive and maximise their multitasking. In terms of positive work culture and the types of factors that particularly attract Gen Z talent, ensure your company is offering working from home and other flexible options. And given the generation's increased blurring of professional and personal lives, encourage your people to de-stress and switch off from work. While Gen Z may not care so much about traditional job titles, they do want career advancement and opportunities and you should have procedures in place to encourage independence and ownership of projects. You already know that I believe that diversity and inclusion are critical for businesses and the individuals who work in them. That's a belief that I share with Gen Z the majority of whom think it's essential to work with people from different educational backgrounds, skill levels and cultures. Leaders need to create a workplace culture that promotes diversity and is inclusive of all people, regardless of their backgrounds, gender, race, class or other personal characteristic, especially if those leaders want to attract and retain the next generation of talent. Finally, don't treat your Gen Z employees differently or give them less responsibility purely because of their age or experience. Listen, engage and value their ideas and their contributions. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you want to support Girl Up and the work they're doing, then please check out their website. If you're interested in partnering with Girl Up, then please visit partnerships at girlup.org. Before you go, I just wanted to share an exciting announcement. As part of the virtual Reimagine event, we're offering participants based in London in the United Kingdom the opportunity to connect, network, relax, and watch the Reimagine event live from the Soho Hotel in London. The London Live Showcase of Reimagine will feature state-of-the-art screening rooms to watch the virtual event, displays, prizes, giveaways, food, drinks, and special exhibits, all to support Reimagine. You can register to attend the live showcase of Reimagine today, and registration is free. All you have to do is sign up at www.reimagineglobalsummit.com. So join us live in London at the Soho Hotel this Friday from 2 till 8 p.m. <laughs>